Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Um, and today is a little bit different. We have just finished a series on Galatians, which took us a number of weeks, and I absolutely love, and we have a little gap, and we plan today, as we have this biannual rhythm in the life of our church of fasting for three days together, but I realize sometimes we just stumble into it, and for many people, it's like the most foreign concept in the world. Why would you do that to yourself? Anyone agree with me? Come on, you can be honest. You can be honest. Why would anyone do that? Why would you not eat? Wake up in the morning and not have your coffee. I never used to drink coffee. So fasting was a dream for me. Now I drink coffee. So fasting has changed. And um, I want to today encourage, I want to put some fires in your belly. I want to give you courage and strength that if you've never even considered it, and maybe you've heard the announcements, and even when Tyler got you to cheer last week, you cheered out of guilt. So you just cheered, even though you weren't going to do it, you had no intention of it. You cheered anyway. That's okay. You're in the right place. And um, we, but, but I want to tell you that actually God has these rhythms in the life of our church, not just because it's about spiritual disciplines. There is an aspect of that that is good for us. And I don't think we should just be fasting when we do corporate fasts. But actually, there's a rhythm of actually, it's more than self-punishment. It's more than just the discipline. And it's more than just, well, that's what the church does. I want us to be a community, and even this morning, I don't know, when, when Rion got up to share and he spoke about Jericho, I don't know about you, but is there something in you that rises up and says, I, I want to respond to that. I want to see walls come down. I want to see miracles in my time. I want to see great things. Amen. See, the amazing thing, if you've walked for church for many, many years, I've had the privilege of seeing amazing things. I've seen deaf ears here again. I've seen people who live on, on insulin um, dependency all day of their life. Those things disappear. I've seen bones that were crooked become straight. I've seen amazing, amazing things. And I'm going, God, I don't want to just tell stories of what I saw when I was 15 or 25. I want to tell stories today because my God is no less powerful. My God is no less present. He is no less committed to the broken and the wounded. And actually in our midst, as we worship his name, I believe God is healing even today. I trust he's healing here now. Some of the greatest miracles I've seen were not when men or women's hands were laid on. I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again because I want to see it again. But in the midst of worship, as a bunch of youth, about three, 400 youth were worshiping God, there was a young lady who'd come to this conference together in December in Durban, wearing a black jacket every day. And who knows you don't wear long black jackets in December in Durban. You just don't wear jackets for about 11 and a half months in Durban at all. But she wore her black jacket, and I asked her youth leader, I said, why does she wear black jackets? She says, for years, she's cut herself, and she has scarring all the way up her arm. So she wears these jackets. And something inside of me broke. I said, come on, God, you can do something. And there was a moment in worship the next morning. No one laid hands. We just declared, actually, as we worship, God wants to heal. Every single one of those scars disappeared. Every single one. And I don't know, but maybe that freaks you out. Maybe that's like... Well, Mark, not sure. No, I know that girl's name. I know her story, and I've seen her years later, and nothing has changed, and she's worshiping Jesus. And part of why we do these moments and we spur the church on is because God is calling us to more. He's calling us to this word that Christians throw around a lot called breakthrough. It's like a concept we throw on. We want breakthrough. And, and if you're in church at any time, you start praying for breakthroughs. And it's this word that actually you're not going to find in the Bible, but it's a concept that is everywhere. 
And God's saying, I want to be a people who desire and seek breakthrough. Why? Because I am a God of breakthrough. And I'd like to present that to you through two Old Testament stories today to remind us of who God is. See, most of our journey is not working up who God is. It's reminding ourselves and the gates of our thinking that are so often up. They need to come down by reminding ourselves who God is in this journey. And um, breakthrough is an interesting concept. It's a, it's a military term where we get pulled into, um, and it's, it's saying, actually, it's not just a case of breaking through anywhere. You want to break into strategic ground. You want to get through there. So a battle and an army will pay. We want to break through there, and they will get their best forces, get their best armies, gather their army, have a strategic plan, be prepared to pay a price to break through an enemy line. Because if they can break through there, there's a greater chance they'll win the battle. And who would know that the cost is always greater to break through into strategic ground? It's always a greater cost in that story. I have some of my own stories of breakthrough. They aren't that profound right now as I'm preaching. I, I, I used to play rugby. Some of you are like, nah. No, I used to. I, give, I gave it my best shot. I ate as much creatine as I could to get as big as I could. It didn't really help me. So I was more of a nice Berta Joel Stransky kind of character than Henry Honeyball. If you know rugby, you'll know what that means. The one ran into people, the other one ran away from people. I was more of that guy. If there was space on the field, I ran there. It didn't matter which way it was, I ran there or I kicked it there. Those were my options. I had two good feet and neither of them wanted to run into the big boys. But there was a moment when breakthrough was needed. And it was in the Moor Cup final under 21. And somehow I found myself in the position of running from fullback. And there was space and then there were the giants. You know, like the Nephilim? The Bible speaks about the giants in the land that people like myself should stay away from. You don't run at them. And there was this moment, but it was big, and it was the biggest moment of rugby I'd ever had, and I was pumped, probably way too pumped, and I thought, I can do this. And the ball came, and somehow I found myself running at the locks, both of them. And honestly, for a few glorious split seconds, it was glorious. I mean glorious. Caught the ball saw them, just thought not backing down, kept running, woke up in the ambulance. <laughs> I know you were hoping there was a miraculous ending, there was no miraculous ending. I got thoroughly thumped, broke my collarbone, woke up 10 minutes later in the ambulance with someone saying, how many fingers? I don't even think I got that right for days. And, um, but, but you realize that if you're going to break through, because on the other side of those Nephilim was open space and potentially glory and victory. I saw Rory try to do an example once of breakthrough, and he got one of the older folks, his name is Len Bassoni, 60 years old, a short little guy, stocky, he said, this guy's going to break through, and he got five or six of the young guys to stand in his way, but it was meant to be one of those church services that were calm. It was actually a leader's time, so everyone was a little excited, and he created space, we moved chairs, and he got Len to run, and the younger guys were supposed to kind of hold on to his coattails, that scripture, I think, from Deuteronomy, but it went horribly awry. So much so that Len had to be rushed off the hospital. His one eye was completely covered up as the breakthrough didn't happen. <laughs> so both of those stories that to make one point, breakthrough's hard. <laughs> and to get to the other side of actually a challenge and the Nephilim and the giants in many areas of our lives, there is a battle, there's a pursuit, there's a putting your head down and going for it. And sometimes you're going to get knocked down. 
But when you worship the God of the breakthrough, who's far more involved in many other things than rugby games, he's involved in your future, he's involved in the promises of your life, he's involved in actually his kingdom coming on earth and revealing his glory through people who shouldn't get through. He gives them his favor and his grace and the ability to break through because he is the God of the breakthrough. And I want to inspire us today as we talk about, I don't want to so much preach about what healing, what fasting is and, and how to do it. I'm going to give a few handles at the end. Here's the thing, you won't die. Ask Bear Grylls. There's the law of threes. Three minutes without air, three days without water, three weeks without food. You won't die. Just watch Bear Grylls. And we're calling people to fast because actually sometimes we need the Spirit of God and a bit of fire to wake us up from our sleep. There's nothing like pain in your story to wake you up from your sleep. There's nothing like challenge. There's nothing like a few giants that look pretty big that are actually going to knock you back if you don't rise up from your sleep. You don't sleep through those challenges. And God's saying, actually, I believe if we want to be a community who will contend for the more, a community who will contend to see the miraculous in our time, in our age, in our zone, in our city, in our suburb, and in our streets, we have to be a people who will be prepared to keep running at the giants. And so I don't want to just tell you what preaching is and present a nice picture of what it is. I want to tell you that breakthrough is for many areas when we use it in the context of the Word of God. One of them is spiritual breakthrough. It's the moment like, I've been apathetic. I've been wrapped up. I, I, I just, there's just so much more to God, and I want more. Imagine Paul. He's Saul. He's walking on the street. Boom, Damascus Road experience. Wow, pretty much a breakthrough. What about Peter in Acts 10? He's walking with God, he, he's walked with Jesus, but he's got prejudice in his heart, and actually Jesus arrests him on top of a, of a roof in Joppa and says, actually, I want so much more for your life, and an awakening happens. That's a breakthrough. It changes lives, it changes families, it changes everything. What about healing? Do you believe God is a healer? Do you believe God's still a healer? Do you believe he's still powerful? I do. I do. It's a woman with issue of blood for 12 years. 12 years in Luke 8. Having had that issue of blood for 12 years, do you think she's seen some giants? Do you think she's seen some challenges? And yet she still finds the courage. She still finds the ability to push through the crowd and get to Jesus. I think fasting is a little bit like that woman's action. It's not in any way saying, come on, Jesus, wake up, Jesus. It's actually more myself. Come on, myself. See the king of glory. See that he is glorious. See that he is a healer. See that he still does miracles. And will you rise up and take a hold of him? Fasting is actually an, an, an opportunity for me to lift my gaze off myself. I don't know about you, but this thing called my tummy determines lots of things in my life often. Emotions. Like when your wife eats the last piece of chocolate that was in the fridge, and she really shouldn't be eating chocolate, so you thought it was for you and it was safe. It's just a hypothetical scenario, <laughs> throwing it out there. And somehow we have these things, when, and, and the reality is when you're hungry and there is no money for food, and you're hungry and the emotions are there, it, it drives a response. You don't stay neutral anymore. People get thrown into crime because actually some of this thing drives them. And so there's these challenges. And what about challenges from opposition or the enemy? Moses is there. He's been leading God's people. They've been set free from slavery. It's incredible. In the book of Exodus, and they look back and the enemy's attacking. What does God do? Oh, sorry, guys. I got you out of there. You need to get your way through. 
And he says, actually, will you trust me? Will you hold on to me? See, what I want you to do, I want you to lift your stuff. I'm going to part the sea. Um, sorry, God, what, say that again. I'm going to part the sea. Yeah, no, we haven't seen that one before. That'll be a new one. That's the God I worship. And sometimes we want to dumb it down to make it a bit safer. We want to dumb it down because actually it might demand something of you. But I'm telling you, when your child gets sick, you will believe in the God who heals and you'll get on your knees again and call on his name because he is glorious. I, we had planned to preach on fasting for weeks ago now, but I'm a little bit like, this has been a big week. I spent Wednesday next to a lady whose husband had just passed away and is in the room with him and her. On Thursday at 11 o'clock at night, I'm in, in the critical care unit of, of Christian Barnard Hospital, praying next to a girl who's fighting for her life, along with many of you. The next day, I get a phone call from a friend whose wife's just had an affair. Saying, God, I believe you are the God of the breakthrough. I can't just prepare preachers and deliver preachers. I have to say, God, you are the God of the breakthrough, and I will stand on who you are. And for my friend whose marriage is in trouble, you are the God of the breakthrough. And for my friend who is sick in hospital, you are the God of the breakthrough. And for my friend who's just lost her husband, you are still the God of the breakthrough. There is no one like my king. And um, there are these bigger questions that we get asked, and we got to believe in him for miracles. And Jesus said this, believe me when I say that I am in the Father, John 14, verse 12, verse 11, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. See, I sit with people all the time, and I'm a little bit like the, the one they declare their SOSs to, the save our souls. And I'm not the saver of their souls. I'm just the guy who gets to sit to hear it often, and it's addictions, and it's challenges, and it's relationships, and it's a whole bunch of things. It's our children. It's health. And you know what? There's nothing like desperation to get us on our knees again. Right now, there are WhatsApp groups flying around and messages flying of people who are praying and constantly praying to fight for this man's daughter and this man's wife. And I want to be a part of those people. Just a part of them. I want to be a part of the people who will tell how they prayed and they cried out to God through the night and how God did amazing things because He is still the healer. He is the God of the breakthrough. Jesus did that for us on the cross. And the life of Jesus and the life with Jesus has to be marked by moments where the very impossible things of seas being opened up to, seas being opened up. I, I want a life marked with that. I love gathering with the church, don't get me wrong. I love worshiping in church. I love preaching. I find it a great, great privilege. But the stories I want to tell are not those stories. The stories I want to tell are where Jesus gets all the glory because only he could have done it. It's the heart that is so broken and lost that gets hope made whole again because of the love and the grace and the glory of Jesus Christ. That who God is calling us to be. And um, I want to jump to two amazing scriptures. As we jump into these three days of fasting, just a couple of reasons why are we fasting. 
Maybe you're visiting today and I met a number of visitors outside. Please don't um, run away. Uh, you are not obligated. And even if you're here today and you cannot fast for whatever reason, physical, um, situational, maybe you're traveling, I would say don't miss out. That's my greatest encouragement. I've fasted many, many times. Once I did a 10-day fast on soup. What no one told me is that cup of soup stuff, there's nothing really good in there. And then you try to play all day cricket games, eating cup of soup for eight days. It doesn't go well. So there is some wisdom in all of this. But there's not so much wisdom that we pull back the, the, the gear levers that kick us into passion for his name and seeking him. We are fasting and contending for breakthroughs. And there's a precedent everywhere in the Bible. When, when Peter's in prison, Acts 12, says the church were earnestly praying, and, but it still demanded a response from him. It says, get up. And only after he got up did the chains fall off. See, at every level we're involved. God says, I want to partner with you. But I want to challenge us this morning and this coming leave. That when did you last do something that had potential to change the status quo? See, it's one thing to lament. It's another thing to lament that leads me to Jesus. I'm called to lament, but I'm called to a lament that leads me to Jesus. That changes circumstances, not just in our lives, but in those around us. So two lessons from two kings, and then we're done this morning. The first one is King David. He's a pretty popular guy in the Bible. Amazing, amazing man. Man after God's own heart. And he's at the pinnacle of his power in 1 Chronicles 14. And it's like at the very top of his power. He's been released into, into be king now, and everything should be good. He's fought battles for year after year after year. He's seen victories and overcoming for year after year after year. He's been in caves. He's been chased by the guy he, he, he ministered to, the mad king, Saul. He, he's had all the stuff go on, and all of a sudden, woof, he feels like breakthrough. And he carries on, and I want to say sometimes, even in this, because all of a sudden there's an external enemy, often in these battles and the journey with Jesus, you first got to deal with the internal enemy. David had to deal with an internal enemy within his own people, within his own world of influence. He had to deal with that enemy first before then God says, actually, there's another enemy. Please don't, don't forget that there is an enemy. There's an enemy to your soul. There's an enemy. And the, the battle and the game lines of battle have changed. It no longer looks like spears being thrown, but it looks like things like your soul is so busy that it's in chaos. I know it because I do it. And I'm saying, God, I want to be better. I want to find moments where I can push back into you. So how does David respond? Can we read from 1 Chronicles 14, verse 8 together, please? When the Philistines learned that David had been made king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces against him to attack him and enslave him. But David heard the news and moved to his fortified place. Then the Philistine army moved in and spread across, out across the entire valley. So David sought the Lord in prayer. He asked, should I go fight these Philistines? Will you give them over to me? The Lord replied, yes, go ahead. It's a nice conversation. Eh? <laughs> I'd love to have that conversation with God. You can certainly count on me to give you the victory. So David went out and defeated them. Then David said, I watched the Lord break through my enemies like a mighty flood. So he named the place the Lord broke through. Or Baal Perizim. Just a couple of points from that amazing scripture. The first one is this, says they mobilized all their forces against him to attack, attack and enslave him. And often our greatest mistake is we forget there is an enemy. 
See, it's all the space and it's all coming and, and even salvation comes in and there's this journey and part of the journey is actually to spaciousness. Salvation from the word yasab means to have spaciousness in Jesus. God wants us to enjoy the spaciousness of the price that he paid for us. How amazing is that? But the enemy knows that, wants to get us back into smaller stories. So the enemy attacks. All of a sudden, they gather. It says they mobilize their forces. Maybe right now, you feel the mobilizing of the forces against you. Well, let's go on a David journey to freedom. It says, but David heard the news and moved to his fortified place. It's an amazing line. David heard the news. So the news carriers come and the who knows, news isn't always, the good news isn't always carried. It's the bad news that is carried. And then the bad news comes. And it's how do you respond when that news comes, when the diagnosis comes, the one you didn't want, when the bad report about your kids comes from a parent at the school or a teacher, when that, that report comes, or the month ends not looking so good at work and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. See, David says he heard the news. Didn't deny the news. Faith is not denying. Please let's get that out the way as well. Faith is not, well, it's not real. No, it's real. No, the diagnosis is not real. No, that's not faith. That's just called denial. To be honest, the world thinks it's a little bit weird. What they respond to is, I see it, I hear it, I believe you in it, but here's what I choose to believe more. Jesus is king of kings. Jesus is in control, and he can take a hold of any situation. But it's this amazing thing. David hears the news. says he went to his fortified place. What's your fortified place? Where do you go? If you were to close your eyes now and say the last big hit you took, big challenge you faced, where did you go? You've got to be honest with yourself because that's your fortified place. David knew the fortified place. He was a worshiper. He was a prayer. He was, a, he was someone who trusted the voice of God. And he says he withdraws hearing the news. He doesn't run to the strategic crisis center. He runs to his fortified place. See, fortified means strengthened or protected, a place where no one else can get into, something like a, 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 a military fort. See, when Bev, who loses her husband this week, where does she run? The world will present many options where you can run. The Bible presents one. Run to your fortified place. Jesus. Comfort, comfort my people. Now come to the fort that is Jesus, our fortified place. Run to him. Stay in him. And I would say that at times, even a time of fasting is breaking away from our normal and pulling ourselves back into a fortified place that is Jesus and that is his community and those who would gather trusting his name as there is power in the gathering of the saints. Yes, I'm unashamedly doing a pitch to those who have never fasted and think that even the church that you gather in is a little weird for doing it. I'm doing a pitch because I believe there is something amazing when the church gather and believe him. And I, I look back in the Bible and I see everywhere, prayer and fasting, boom, miracle. Prayer and fasting, miracle. Prayer and fasting, miracle. I look at the revivals from Azusa Street to all others. Prayer and fasting, miracle. Prayer and fasting, revival. Prayer and fasting, nations turning to God. And I'm saying, can we still be a people who believe in God and His ways and get over some of our challenges? Oh, life's so much busier now. Yeah? We'll take control of it and run to a fortified place. If king, a king, I would think that a king, even in that time, would be busy. 
It says, then the Philistine army moved in and spread out across the entire valley. See, when the enemy comes, they don't just stand over there like we're over here. No, they fill the valley. They fill it. It's overwhelming. It's challenging. And sometimes God will use those sonoras to draw us back into the fortified place. It says, so David sought the Lord in prayer. He asked, should I go fight these Philistines? Will you give them over to me? And the Lord replied, yes, go ahead. He sought the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. I would ask, even at these times, some, there's some big questions some of us have to ask of the Lord. Some big questions. Maybe, maybe you, you find yourself doing quiet times every morning, but if I pushed you and I put my finger on it and said, when last did you ask of the Lord about your strategic business plan for your business? When last did you do that, sir? Or, or your kids, it's kind of, we make all the plans for schools and fees and all this stuff, but when last did you just stop and inquire of the Lord about your kids. See, it's not my challenge, it's the challenge of the word of God and one of his greatest leaders saying, actually, there's more for you to access the God of the breakthrough. See, the Philistine, they left no escape. He sought of the Lord. Then David said, I watched the Lord break through my enemies like a mighty flood. So he named the place, Baal Perizim, the Lord broke through. See, our God is the God who breaks through. What are you fighting right now that's taking all your energy? Emotional, financial, time. Maybe it's time to let the God of breakthrough, the Lord who breaks through, fight for you. And what we believe allowed to enter into what we live and how we live it. That's one king. I want to take us to another king, Jehoshaphat. It's a great name if you're having children. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1 to 4. And again, a similar scenario. And they've just had reform. They've just had revival in the land. Things are good. It's kind of now what? What does he go through? 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1 to 4. After this, three enemies joined forces against Judah. So just read that again. Yes, three enemies. Messengers told the king, a vast army is coming against you, alarmed and afraid. King Jehoshaphat resolved to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast for everyone. So all of, of the people came together to seek help from the Lord. They came from everywhere to seek God. If I asked Mark, see we're family here, and many of you know, so if I asked Mark, are you afraid? See, because his wife's not well. Had the amazing privilege of doing your wedding. Actually, many people are afraid right now. And um, how we journey that is important. See, actually, maybe I'm preaching to all of you today, but I, I'm actually preaching to him. Because if God is a God of the breakthrough, if God broke David through and Abraham broke Jehoshaphat through, God will break through. Because that's who he is. My job is not to keep reminding myself who I am. My job is to keep reminding myself who he is. And I find it so amazing, these three enemies, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Nuanites. You see, in, with Andrea, maybe those enemies are called lupus, kidneys, and a whole bunch of other things. Maybe your enemies are called relationships, they're called um, kids, finances, but, but they're enemies, and they're attacking, and they are swarming. And you know what the temptation in that thing when I get there is this thing. Where are you, God? 
Let's be honest, because the Bible's very honest. Man's desired first response is to shout and accusations at God and say, where are you, God? Well, I've got to go to the Word and say, actually, how does this king, Jehoshaphat, process it? And I'll be five more minutes. It says, messengers told the king, a vast army is coming for you. A vast army, not three of them. They've all ganged up. They don't like you, and they are coming for you. See, faith is not about, again, not seeing the enemy. I want to say that a few times because I think there's a little bit in church life. I'm just, I'm going to, I choose to see Jesus. No, we'll choose to see Jesus once you've seen the enemy and still choose to see Jesus. Choose to take your eyes off the enemy and see him because that's called faith. And then he, he does this thing. He says, alarmed and afraid. I love how honest the Bible is. This is a king. He gets the victory. God gets the victory. But the Bible's honest enough to tell us that this king is alarmed and afraid. It's okay to be alarmed and afraid. Again, faith is not not being alarmed and not being afraid. It's just what you choose to do with it. And he did three things. The first one is this. He resolved to seek the Lord. I want to tell you this. It always starts with a personal journey. Even a fast. Don't come to a fast meeting or a time together or wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to fast and expect someone else's faith to carry you into breakthrough, to carry you to that space. Resolve in your heart to seek God. Not to seek the breakthrough, to seek God and the God of the breakthrough. There's a difference. We don't fast like hungry people saying, feed us, God. We aren't beggars. We are sons and daughters of the living God who have access to come to him and actually at times put things aside to say we prioritize, we focus, and we give our attention at these times. And I want to say even for this king, and it will always be for every person, always a personal journey of seeking the Lord first. It starts there. But then there is a call. It says proclaimed a fast for everyone. Yes, everyone. And I'll show you, even the kids, even everyone was in this fast. Why? Because the enemy was attacking everyone. And they understood it because they could see them. The problem with us many times these days, we can't see our enemy. The enemy just got clever at packaging himself. And he calls this, well, we don't walk this walk of solitude. That's the second thing. First thing, he resolved to seek the Lord. Second thing, proclaimed a fast for everyone. And third thing, so all of the people came together to seek help from the Lord. They came from everywhere to seek God. Here's the result. Verse 13 says, All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Can I just, as a parent of an eight, six, and four-year-old who have energy for days, if you know my kids, you know that's true. Don't protect your kids from a faith journey with Jesus. Right now, many of you know, my wife's not well. Sleep is not easy. Life is not easy right now, actually. But here's what I will not do. I will not isolate my kids in some kind of incubator to think I'm protecting them when their greatest protector is God. Their greatest journey is to know Him. And if it costs them an extra half an hour of sleep, I'm telling you, they will be okay. I've grown, around, grown up around kids who grew up in the presence of God, and they did way too much church. I'm the first to accept that. 
and we work hard to do it, but there are moments and times where leadership in your family is not about isolating and protecting. Leadership in your family is calling them to a God story and taking them on and let them learn worship from you. Let them learn contending for God and believing in God from you, not from a preacher. I don't want your place in your home. I don't want it. It's your job to teach your kids what it is to be a person who resolves to seek the Lord. It's a challenge, I know. It's got its challenges, and we live in a transient society, and people are moving, and there's late and early and all that. But I would ask, even if you can get to one moment, if you're able to get to, I would beg you and ask you for your good and your kids' future. Take them on the journey with you. It might look like three days of no CBBs. I know. I know the hell that that brings sometimes. I live it. But take them on a journey with you. Don't leave them behind. There's no junior God for the junior kids. There's no junior Holy Spirit. God wants them to go on a journey with you. And then it carries on as I finish. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, and these guys had a whole line of people that stood. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat. And he speaks, says, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 17, You will not fight you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord will go out and be with you. Who was this Jehaziel? It's just a young man, part of the worship team. Not a prophet. He wasn't recognized as a prophet in the people. Why is it important that we gather? Because God wants to raise up Jehaziels in our midst. Some of them look like you. Some of them look like your children who are going to bring faith to communities who are lacking faith when governments are making interesting, if not bad, decisions. When budgets are looking tighter, when petrol prices are going up, when pressures are on, when battles are being waged all over the place. God raise up Jehaziels when communities gather just to worship Him, just to praise Him, to seek Him. Why are we fasting? Because God is a miracle-working God who loves His people. Why do we gather? Because the Bible instructs us in Hebrews 10, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. So how are we fasting? Again, please be free to fast in any way or where your faith is, but make sure it's got faith in it. I would say if there's no sacrifice in it, it's probably not fasting. I'm not going to watch X Factor till Thursday. Just, I'm just telling you, that's probably not the biggest sacrifice you'll ever make in your life. Choose to be sacrificial in this time. Choose to sow seed of sacrifice to the one who sacrificed it all. We're calling a water fast, which means if, if you're up to that and you're in for that story, and I know people are working all day, I know all that stuff. Find God, find things. If you can't do water, do soup. If you can't just do that, then do fruit, do something. And say, God, I want to take a hold of you. Even if you can't come to any of the meetings, it's not about the meetings. But gather. We are praying from 6.30 to 7.30 every night, Monday to Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we're going to break the fast with a feast together. It's a highlight of my kid's life, the feast. <laughs> and just to give you clarity, my kids won't be fasting on water, I promise you. But they will be fasting and they're very aware that there's a faith journey here. And they're very aware of who I'm praying for. I'm praying for Andrew. I'm praying for a mate whose marriage is on the rocks. He knows it. 
I'm praying for a pastor whose church is going through chaos today because of an action one of his subordinates has done. I'm praying, and I'm saying, God, you are the God of the breakthrough. And you know what happens when we pray for others? God does amazing things in our hearts and lives. See, and one of the reasons we're fast is actually we don't spend hours preparing food. We, we take our eyes off that stuff. We don't give that money to the poor. If you want an encouragement, give it to the poor. But take that time. Be here. Let's gather. Why? Maybe a whole church will gather for three days for Andrea Hughes. Then that's worth it. It's worth it. But I'll tell you, God will do much more. You're praying for your kids. You need breakthrough. You need breakthrough in your finances. You need breakthrough from cycle of brokenness. Don't take my words for it. The God of the breakthrough reigns. His name is Jesus. We, we proclaimed him Yahweh this morning. Please don't miss out when God is doing something. Can I pray for us? God, we come this morning and even I pray, God, I pray not one person would leave here this morning under any kind of legalistic anything. Please, God, if, if there's any unction that it's Mark's encouragement, I pray, God, that, that would, people would be free of that. But I pray, God, where you are calling faith warriors out of the sometimes dormant, of the sometimes sitting down, of the comfortable, where you are calling that out of us as a community at this time, I pray, breathe life to that. Spirit of God, come alive. Start fires in bellies where there were fires 20, 30 years ago. Fall afresh on us, I pray. Why, God? Because we choose to believe your word, and your word says you are a healer. Your word says that you are the miracle worker. Your word says you are the one who brings breakthrough, and you still do it, and you want to continue to do it, and we will tell testimonies that bring you glory so that others might hear your name and believe because you are Yahweh, the glorious king, the one seated on his throne. And if it is broken marriages or broken businesses or broken relationships or broken health, God, you are the one who fixes the broken. You are the healer of the nations. You can heal one body today. You were the one who spoke to the storm that was raging on the seas, and you said two words, be still. And the storm settled. Lord, I pray at this time we would be the people who just believed that. That you are the glorious king, you are the savior, and we would rise in faith to worship you, to praise you, and to seek you in the toughest of times for miracles in our land, for miracles in our city, for miracles in our homes, and for miracles in the people we love, and for the miracles of those amongst us needed most. I pray, God, raise up a fire in us. Spirit of God, even as we sang this morning, come awaken. Come awaken my soul, God, that so quickly and easily defaults to smallness, that so quickly and easily defaults to selfishness, I pray, God, awaken my soul so that I could be a part of your army. We worship you, King. We give you all the glory. Amen. Amen.